welcome to um, Destiny Table New York, uh, joining us online, all of our online family, and so glad to see all of your smiling faces today. We're going to talk about something a little interesting uh, today, it's going to be a little bit of a hot button issue. Are you ready to go there? All right, let's do it. Praise God. Take out your Bibles, and we are going to go to the beginning of the book in the book of Genesis. We've been in this focus of um, a season. We, we've migrated away. Again, we're trying to, thank you, Sean. We're trying to um, explore what the Lord is doing in this hour of the church. We're fumbling our way through. We're making some mistakes, but how many of you know God's grace is sufficient to help us find our way? Uh, because we're just hungry to, to find uh, more of what he has in mind. And so one of the things we're doing in just a shift from this, instead of these nice, neat, packaged five-week series um, that are you know, so well advertised and we can market them well and we can attract people to come hear sermons about how your life can be awesome, um, what we're really trying to do is just discern the season instead of cultivate a series. And we've been in this season and we're just listening to the Lord. And what we're finding out is he's actually calling us to the sacrificial nature of Christ rather than the self-absorbed nature of religion. And uh, we want to walk that out. And listen, God wants your life to be uh, blessed. How many of you know God wants you to live an awesome life? Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing you've got to understand. That is the truth, but that truth comes with a trick. How many times have you heard me say it? The truth is God wants your life to be awesome. The trick is God doesn't want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others, and that's what will make your life awesome. This is the essence of the gospel. And what we do is we kind of migrate away from that, and we turn that around where uh, we're creating a bunch of consumers, self-absorbed, um, just a wrong spirit. I mean, you know, it's easy to step into the wrong spirit, even with the right message, if you're not careful. And I'm going to show you that today in a way that's probably going to offend half of you. And I just want you to be aware. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm broken over this. And I just, just I sense the Lord. <clears throat> I sense the Lord here wanting to deal with this on a level maybe we don't even understand we need to be dealt with on. Because the whole emphasis of this season of algorithms is the understanding that there are unseen contributors that are producing your conclusions that are leading to decisions that reveal your behavior. It's unseen. It's not the obvious. How many of you know the devil doesn't show up in a red outfit with horns and a pitchfork? He shows up in a very appealing, enticing, and seductive way that you begin to embrace, and then you justify, and you'll fight for it, and you might actually be fighting the wrong enemy in the process. And if the enemy can get you in that, He's one. So we're trying to figure out what these unseen contributors are. We've talked about it in the natural. If you say things, uh, your phone actually is listening, and this is all proven research, not just some conspiracy theory. You'll start getting ads on your social media and, and so on of the things that you're talking about that you need to buy. I mean, there's these algorithms that exist around us. How much more so in the supernatural realm? as the enemy's trying to fortify uh, efforts to make decisions that you'll make in your life from the conclusions you've de de determined, and those are actually called strongholds. <laughs> I've decided this in my... And, and, and strongholds can be good, strongholds can be bad. How many of you know the stronghold of the Lord in your life will hold you on course when all hell breaks loose? 
I just want to say God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you can ask or imagine. That's a stronghold that we need to embrace. Come on. It's the strongholds that are born from a lie rather than the truth that become so problematic to who we are. And so there's this, this capacity that exists within us to process the things that are going on around us. And, um, and this is an unseen process that's actually shaping who you are becoming. I don't know if you realize or not, you are in the process of becoming. You're becoming a more exaggerated version of yourself. Sad people who perpetuate the things that got them sad will just grow sadder. Happy people who perpetuate the things that got them happy will just go happier. Crazy people. You're sitting next to them, aren't you? These unseen contributors, and, and we read about this in Scripture. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him. How many of you received Christ? Can I hear an amen? But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become. Power to become. Power to become. To become, not just made sons and daughters, there's this process, this power that exists within you to become more of who God designed you to be originally. To them who received Christ, to them he gave power to become the sons and daughters of God, even to them that believe on his name. We are all in the process of becoming, and the big news of the algorithm focus is that what we process will determine who we become. Guard your heart, because out of your heart come the issues of life. How many of you have issues? How many of you know somebody with issues? <laughs> Where do those issues come from? The Bible says out of the heart come the issues of life. I understand what it is to be sexually molested as a, as a child. I know what that's like. And that can create all kinds of issues in a person's life. If they don't dwell on the wrong things, then those issues don't take hold of their life because out of your heart come the issues of life and I'm here to say you can conquer any set of circumstances that have ever come your way if you get your heart focused where your heart needs to be focused and walk out this process of becoming everything God's called you to become I'm serving notice on the enemy today as we're addressing the babblings of this world the babblings of this world We're going to turn to Genesis 11. And I just want to make sure we all understand something. The teaching team at Destiny has to be careful that we don't preach for the absence of criticism, but rather we pursue the presence of God. I mean, you know, it's easy to keep your messages clean so that you don't get a bunch of criticism. Jesus didn't seem to behave that way. And so today, uh, I think I'm going to solicit just a little bit of some hot-button discussions that I feel like are utterly necessary for us as the church to understand, particularly in this hour, specifically in this month, and I'll explain a little bit of why, but in many ways, you need to understand and we need to repent and we need to comprehend. In many ways, we see a sleeping church today in a very woke culture. And I want us to read the first mention of Babel in Scripture. 
is we're talking about the babblings of the world. And let's understand, I'm talking about the Tower of Babel that was actually in the city of Babel. This would, in Scripture, we read the progression, ultimately become the nation of Babylon. And then we read about this in the conclusion of the book, in the book of Revelation, where uh, Babylon actually became, uh, this is, we're, we're wearing these to pray for our children, but I can't seem to quit fidgeting with it while I'm preaching. So Lord, bless our kids. I'm not relinquishing my prayer for them as they go to kids' camp. The Lord's going to do a great work. We had a great uh, uh, time with our youth this past week in ministry together. It was just so authentic, so powerful, uh, so beautiful, and we're believing the same over our kids. Amen. And what we see uh, in the book of Revelation is this whore of Babylon, as the Bible describes her, becomes the ultimate en enemy of Jesus and his church. So when we read about Babylon in Scripture, we're reading about the essence of captivity, and you need to hear me when I say captivity deals more with the demise of your children, and actually it does with you, because what the enemy is trying to do is negate the legacy of Christ to perpetuate in the earth and expand God's kingdom. So we have this incredible responsibility. It is so important that you think right things and that you help your children learn to think right things. It's very important. You better learn to think right things. And the compass of God's Word is the judge of what is right and what is wrong. And let me say loud and clear so that we all have 100% understanding. There is no question of this. The authenticity of Scripture is absolutely imperative in the day in which you and I live. We believe God's Word is God's truth to humanity. And we take it literally cover to cover. Amen and amen. You really should celebrate that because that's not the case in the church in many forums today. It's an important thing that we not lose sight of. We kind of drift in some forums. This is kind of drifting out of it. And, and we're a lot more cautious with how we're, you know, even quoting certain portions of Scripture because we don't really want to be offensive. I'm telling you, we got to kick some tables over from time to time. So I want us to read this first mention in Genesis chapter 11, the first mention of Babel. We're going to start in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 7. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Can you say that with me? One language and the same words. This is such an important part of this. Can we say it one more time? One language and the same words. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. So what we have, we'll, we'll keep reading in a moment, what we have is one language, same words, building a structure as high as the heavens to provide and present a name for ourselves. This is the ultimate expression of pride we see in Scripture. And the Lord said, verse 6, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. 
There it is again. He's reiterating. They're saying they're using these same words, the same language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. What's taking place we're reading about in Scripture is utterly significant in the day in which you and I live because ultimately this is the expression we read about in the Bible of the pursuit of uh, human independence and self-sufficiency in the rejection of God. We're going to speak the same language. I'm going to cast vision. We're going to say the same language. We're going to use the same words. And we're going to build a high structure uh, as high as the heavens. And we're going to make a name for ourselves. I've had, uh, I've had different pastors. And again, I'm not trying to bag on this. It's just we've got to understand God's trying to do something in this hour of the church. And I want us to participate with everything God is desiring for us to participate. I've actually had uh, strong leaders that are, you know, would be wildly successful in, in any person's standards in the ministry world of our day. And I've had them talk to me about, Lawrence, you've got to work on your brand. You've got to work on Destiny's brand. What are they saying? You've got to get your name right. We want you to, you've got to work to build a name for yourself. I understand the marketing ploy and concepts of all of it and not all of it is wicked and I'm not trying to just assess all of that but let me just say I want to work on the name of Jesus that's the name I want to work on I want to lift up his name I want everything we do to point to Jesus the same language using the same words let us make a name for ourselves let us make a name for ourselves canceling anything contrary to our agenda. And this is the essence of the cancel culture. We're going to build ideology. We're going to use certain words. And if you don't come under the tower of our ideology, then in our supremacy, we will cancel you, and you then will be insignificant. This is the Tower of Babel. See, Babel today is not a tower as much as it is uh, intellectual architecture. And it's taking these formulation of words and posturing them in such a way that my agenda is going to prevail. And I'm, I'm talking about the world system and the way this works in the spirit of the Antichrist that is at work in the world today. And this intellectual architecture that's attacking the very root of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's important that we have our understanding in the midst of everything taking place. And the reason I said for this month specifically, you need to understand this, the whole Supreme Court ruling of Roe v. Wade reversal is actually coming out this month. There's been the leak, and, and the discussion has been it's going to be reversed, and it's all speculative and a leak, yet it's pretty certain that's taking place just from the speculative conclusions that have been made with the information that's been leaked, and that's going to come out this month. If you know, there have been some, some pro-choice individuals that have you know, threatened the lives of these Supreme Court justices, and there's all this division that's emerging within us right now. Listen very carefully. There are people that are building towers towers of ideology and they want to cancel anybody who will not come under their tower so let me just explain something to make sure we all uh, recognize this clearly number one we as a church family believe you can have distinction without having to have division we understand that 
But there are some positions we take as a church that are simply non-negotiable positions. We can't have distinction uh, on Jesus is Lord. How many of you agree? Jesus is Lord, that's it. (laughs) There's no distinction there. He is Lord. He died on a cross. He's risen from the grave. He's the only way to heaven. He is the Son of the Father, and He's trying to draw our attention to the Father. And there's certain positions we've had to come to resolve where we as a church family take a stand. Being pro-life is a stand we take as a church family. I want to just say that loud and clear. I want to just, not just because we want to be nice people, but because the Bible says in the book, I'm going to give you Old Testament and a New Testament just as as a a brief explanation of this. I'm not trying to preach on uh, that particular topic so much, but I do want you to understand the basis of this just in in a summary version. The book of Jeremiah says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So the idea of life beginning at birth or life beginning at conception, I want you to know existence began before you're ever born. God purposed your life and nobody has the right to snuff it out. Before you were formed in the womb. And then I I love this. I had a conversation recently actually with a believer uh, about this debate and discussion. And I know there's debate and discussion even among believers about it. But but the person was explaining that the baby's not a baby until it's born. It's a blob until it's born and then it's a baby. And and in the conversation I said, well, I think it's interesting. In Luke chapter 1, the Bible says when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the blob jumped in her womb. Oh, no, no, wait. The Bible actually said the baby jumped in her womb. The Bible says in the womb, it's not a blob, it's a baby. When we look at these verses of Scripture, we've got to wrestle with the realities that are going on in society. I love the way President Reagan said it. It seems almost everybody who's for abortion has already been born. Now, The sentiment in the room in general is you preach it, Pastor. Those bunch of idiots. A reactionary disposition releases the wrong spirit and will never, ever, ever behold the authority of a risen Christ to change and transform a lost and blind world. So I'm going to address now the reactionary disposition that I see happening so often in the church. I am shocked. I am shocked. I'm astonished at how many mature Christians are so fearful and hateful when it comes to these types of issues. I'm just going to say it again because it probably is frustrating to hear it. I am shocked at how many mature Christians are so fearful and hateful when it comes to these types of end time issues or these types of political issues. Listen, the book of Revelation was not written so that we could build bunkers and go hide out until we make it to heaven. The book of Revelation was written so that we might live with a deeper sense of conviction to reach the lost and transform the world. Come on! Come on! 
Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's a famous verse. We love to quote it. It would really fit well with the first part of my message, wouldn't it? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The problem is this is saying don't be conformed to the beliefs, and it's also saying don't be conformed to the behaviors. In other words, a reactionary, hateful disposition is not going to represent the heart of our king. And it's certainly not going to release the authority of God's kingdom. When Christians get more interested in winning arguments than they are in loving people, they're no longer like Christ. What I'm saying is that we must learn to pay attention to the roar of the lion more than the babblings of this world. Have you ever seen the parent try to care for the toddler and they functioned on the same level of toddler argumentativeness as the toddler? Have you ever seen that happen? That's what a lot of Christians do in the world that we live in. It's like we're trying to argue on the same level with people who aren't even spiritually alive. They're spiritually dead if they don't know Christ. Stop arguing on that level and rise up and be the men and women of God, the sons and daughters of God that he has called you to be in this process of becoming. And understand this very important statement. Most important statement I could probably make of the whole morning is this. It is humility that releases authority. A reciprocal arrogance won't win against the fight of the Babel Tower. It's humility that releases authority in God's kingdom. And we have to be careful not to mistake religious zeal for kingdom authority. Religious zeal doesn't always equate to kingdom authority. You might remember the story in the Bible where all of a sudden, you know, Jesus is going to be crucified. And the, the world system shows up with swords drawn. You remember this? And then God's family is there, and Peter demonstrates a beautiful reactionary disposition that we can all learn from as he responds to the world the same way the world was coming after them. And he, well, they came with swords drawn, and he then had swords drawn, and he was ready to fight on their terms. And Jesus said, I'll have nothing to do with this. Stop trying to fight the world according to the world's system of fighting. Jesus said, I have nothing to do with this. He, he not only said, I'll have nothing to do with it. He said, your logic, it makes sense. We could create a cause. We could rally people. We could get a chant going. Protect the Savior. Protect the Savior. Save Jesus. Save Jesus. We could get it all going and it would be absolutely this incredible cause. But you and I are not supposed to ever be cause-centered. You and I are supposed to always be Christ-centered. That's why we as a church will never be known by a cause. We'll hold positions dear and sacred. 
But those will not become a cause-centered basis for which we exist. We are Christ-centered. We can have distinction without having division. And in the essence of that distinction without division comes unity. And it's the spirit of unity and humility that then releases the authority of Christ. I, I thought about this in, you've seen the movie, The Lion King. And the hyenas, they're the devil. And the Lion King, he's Jesus, Mufasa. And so it, it, that's just the essence of the whole story. And so you got these hyenas, and man, they are wreaking havoc. How many of you have some hyenas in the house sometimes, right? I mean, hyenas just wreaking havoc, and they're like, ah! you know, you know the characters in, in the movie, and they're like, ah! and, and, and they, and, but all of a sudden, in the presence of Mufasa, say it again. Don't you love that line? In the presence of Mufasa, these out-of-control hyenas are fearing for their existence. They're cowering into a mode of self-preservation. Begging for mercy. Like what we read about in Luke chapter 8. Where in the presence of Jesus, tormenting spirits cower down and beg for mercy and no longer have their hold and no longer have their work in the circumstances and atmosphere and city and community around them because of the presence of Jesus. Not because of the argumentative attitude because he out-argued somebody, but in the presence and the authority of the King of all kings and the Lord of lords, this risen King Jesus. This is the authority that you were born for. That authority only comes from humility, not arrogance, not a resembling tower that will battle against their tower, but bow yourself before the Lord your God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will raise you up in a place of great strength. This is the church changing the world around us everywhere we go. That kind of authority only comes from humility. So today, I want to call all of us to repent. That's about the best I got. I've given you my all. I feel the Lord is mightily at work. I want to just respond to Him. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. I do want to, I'm not finished, we're going to, Perpetuate just a little more here in the spirit of what God's revealing in the desire of the Father. Some of us in the room need to repent for embracing the world's seductive content. Some of us in the room need to repent for embracing the seduction these concepts and ideas that are so threatening to the truth. And some of us in the room need to repent. Maybe we've got the content right, but we've missed it on the character. See, the kingdom of God is not just about getting you to think right thoughts according to the truth. The kingdom of God is about getting you to die to yourself, 
so his authority can be released and revealed and his life can break through your broken, available, surrendered life. So I'm talking about some people have danced with babbles and some people have responded with behavior that is not becoming of the Lord, consistent with his word. My, My challenge to your action point this week, we believe uh, coming together is a really vital part of being the body of Christ. We gather together like this. We meet in homes. We connect on a personal level. All of it so that we can have our faith awakened on a deeper level. And faith without action is dead. So we always want to bring God's presence to real life. And that's what our GP2RL every week, just some actionable expression where we take what the Lord's revealed and we try to walk that out. So your God's presence for real life Action point of the week is I want to just challenge you to reflect on Genesis 11 and ask the Lord to help you see any towering ideas or attitudes that need to be addressed within you. Fearful, hateful dispositions will never be entrusted the authority of the king that will cause the enemy to cower in silence. Somebody sent this to me this week, and I told them I was going to share it, and they said just to leave it confidential. They didn't know what I was speaking on, but I want you to hear, again, so many times God is trying to confirm that he's trying to reveal something to us. And I just want to read what was written to me. Satan is content to see us gather on Sundays and be entertained. Made comfortable for another week following our typical routine while he stalks through our offices, schools, and neighborhoods, confidently walking with no threat to his way. As we would walk differently with a lion in the room, so will Satan when we wake up bringing the lion of the tribe of Judah to our office, to our schools, and to our neighborhoods. We become the church that is equipped with the armor of God, and the roar grows within us and shakes the ground around us, the very ground that Satan claims is his. He'll begin to tiptoe in our territory with the knowledge that we are no longer, I like this, we're no longer catnapping, but now we're lying awake. <laughs> In that, we begin to roar with the authority of Yahweh. We walk with the strength and the power of the lion of the tribe of Judah individually, yes, but the church as a unit, as a family, this is where we find our greatest strength. You would think that person heard the sermon and then wrote that explanation. But I'm going to tell you the prophetic nature of God is going to be unveiled in the church in a way we've never even begun to know and understand it. You can expect to hear God more clearly. You can expect to see more clearly. You can expect to discern more clearly. How many of you just received that wave of what God is bringing to the church where we begin to be awakened, lying awake? 
Come on, let's let's stand together. We have great power individually, but the church as a family, that's where we find our greatest strength. Let me just camp on that for a moment just to say, we don't gather conveniently. We gather sacrificially. We don't come to church when it's convenient because this is actually a conviction. We read it in Scripture. Don't forsake yourselves don't forsake uh, the assembling of yourselves together. We don't gather conveniently. We gather sacrificially. We don't serve or love or give conveniently. We serve, we love, and we give sacrificially. How many of you know that we as the church gathering together, bringing our resources under the Lordship of Christ, our tithes, our offering, our energy, our creativity, I mean, you know, we begin to change the world around us. We become not only theologically strong, but we become financially strong. We become creatively strong. God wants a strong church transforming the world in which the church has been deposited. I love this whole element of the lion from this word that came because I just want to point out when we came into the year 2020, we're going to rehearse this through the course of this decade because it's an important part of what God's chosen to reveal in this season. When we came into this decade, Tracy stood on this platform and she began to prophesy. And she said, we've not entered into uh, the, we, no, what she says, we've entered into the roaring 20s, not like the 1920s, but like the 2020s, where the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah is going to be awakened as a prophetic roar in the body of Christ. Are you hearing the essence of that being revealed in everything we're talking about this morning? And I believe God is desiring to awaken the roar of the body of Christ, where we understand true humility. Get over your attitudes and dispositions that would argue against the counsel of the Lord. Lay it down, sacrifice, repent for it. So come on, let's just pause for a moment right here. And First and foremost, we say Jesus is Lord. God sent His Son Jesus to redeem and rescue humanity. He lived on this earth. The single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We mark our calendars by it. He lived in this world. He died in this world. But He's risen from the dead and the tomb is empty. He is alive. He is who He says He is. Come on, if you declare Jesus is Lord and the Savior of your life, you repent for your sins. You want Him to be Lord all the days of your life. Why don't you give Him celebration and praise right now? We just lift up the name of Jesus. You are who you say you are, Lord Jesus. the Lord's convicted you this morning of either babbles that you've bought into or behaviors that have grieved Him. If the Holy Spirit 
has convicted you this morning of babbles that you've believed, the seductive ideology of the world that you've embraced, or the behaviors, the attitude that's not been indicative of the nature of Christ, then I want you to lift both your hands and let's just surrender in repentance to the Lord our God right now. Lord, we do not delay, and we choose to say we are not the people we want to be, but we're also not the people we used to be. And through the power of the Spirit, Lord, I believe the authority of God is going to be released in the people we are going to be in a way that is beyond our wildest imagination where we start to understand that Ephesians 3.16, what it means to be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, may we know what it means to be filled with all the fullness of God where we walk in such authority that it silences the enemy and it releases the kingdom of God in the earth, pushing back darkness because the gates of hell will not prevail uh, against the lion-awakened church. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to give you an opportunity to roar. We don't just come in here and celebrate His Word, but we want to mobilize God's people. So part of our our family uh, tradition is that we come to the conclusion, and part of our assignment as a church, this isn't conclusion, we're dismissed, everybody can go. This is where we press in and we begin to tap into the roar of God Almighty. We want to take some time to worship the Lord our God. And I want to ask you that as we're singing, let there be something awakened within you that releases the power of God to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. I'm going to pick this message up again shortly because there's more that we need to address and talk through. But God is bringing the church into a place of great strength. Once a month, we purpose to give our prayer team the opportunity just to receive, as I introduce to you, our elders. And our elders are going to be available if we can pray with you about anything, just as we worship. There's always communion in the back, in the center here. Every week you can do that individually. Sometimes we'll do that all together. The giving stations are here. It's an expression of worship for you to give. And we always want you to have an opportunity if there's anything we can pray with you about. If you're here this morning, you say, today I, I accepted Christ for the first time. We celebrated the risen King, and then that was, a, that was a decision you were making. We want to pray with you about that. Our elders would love that opportunity. So I'm going to call them by name, and, and you'll see kind of who they are. They're seated toward the front. Of course, Tracy and I, Jason and Heather Shiflett, Ryan and Gina Perry, Derek and Crystal Wilson, Dave and Lauren Fulford. And I want to just mention Jim and Diana Howard and Wade and Jennifer Moore uh, who were unable to be here this weekend. But those are our elders, and I want you to know who our elders are. You ever have a question? It's a great group for you to go. If you have a question about me, they're a great group for you to go. And a lot of you have questions about me. We are pastor-led, staff-driven, and elder-protected in the way we govern 
that which God is entrusting to our care. We work in plurality. Steve Upple from England is one of our external elders. I'll be leaving this week, Tracy and the girls and I, to go and uh, we'll be ministering for Steve in his conference and church this week. So appreciate your prayers as we make our way over to the UK. and We'll um, send our love back. Come on, would you just, let's just allow the Lord to stir something in our hearts in our remaining minutes together. If there's anything we can pray with you about, the elders are right back at the back under the, the lighted area there. Let's press in and let's listen. And let's declare the, the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah is being awakened within us. The roar of, just put your hand right here, just before you, just right there. Lord, awaken this roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah that we might begin to understand the ancient anointing that you've called us to explore and experience. Forgive us, Lord, for pursuing shallow streams of religion that many times we experience in our part of the world. We want to go to these deeper places of ancient wells that are actually supposed to well up from within us and begin to take control of territorial demonic spirits in the mighty name of Jesus. So let our song, Lord, as we sing, be a song that begins to paralyze the works of the enemy more than just tickling our ears in something that sounds fancy or nice or pretty, we declare, Lord, that the sound of our voice beholds the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's worship the Lord our God.